Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's time for Distractions with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. Chad, sometimes you hear whispers about players and their study habits. Some some positive, some negative. Um, you always hear the the... The saying, first in the building and last one to lead, right? And uh-huh. um, it becomes like a badge of honor. And you talk about in Green Bay, the edgers, who's, who's getting there first? Who's staying there latest? Who's putting in the most work? Well, uh, a new clause in a new quarterback's contract suggests that he might not have been following that playbook. Kyler Murray, uh, quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals who just signed a big deal, um, had a clause in his contract that just... That just came out. It's like a homework clause. It's an independent study clause. And it says that he has to study four extra hours per week. Four extra hours per week mandated in his contract. Uh, Clearly, this was a problem at that facility, him not studying enough, maybe him not knowing the plays, maybe him not being prepared for games, so much so that they had to put it in the contract. Um, And specifically, I'm going to read a sentence from that clause, and it says, it's talking about the independent study, um, and it says, players shall not receive any credit for independent study with respect to any time periods during which any material is displayed or played on an iPad, the iPad is what they take home and it has their playbook on it, or electronic device, if... A, player is not personally studying or watching the material while it is being played or displayed. Or B, player is engaged in any other activity that may distract his attention. For example, watching TV, playing video games, or browsing the Internet while such material is being displayed or played. That was literally written in the contract that, hey, while the iPad is is showing game film, you can't also be surfing the Internet. You can't also be watching TV. Number one, how do they monitor that? I don't know how they'll do that. But the fact that this was put down in his contract, uh, you mentioned during the break, you've seen some weird clauses in contract, but you've never seen anything like that. Yeah, I'm reading this article on ESPN.com. Uh, it is, seems as if this is not just unusual, but it appears to be unprecedented. There's been lots of contracts that have uh, clauses about attending off-season workouts, about uh, retaining certain uh, weight goals and things like that. But this is the first time I've ever heard of a study, independent study clause. And it, I think it just speaks to how quarterback desperate every team in the NFL is. You had a guy a $230 million contract, and he doesn't even have the study habits that are a basic requirement of the position. You have to mandate that he does this independent study. And clearly, they've probably busted him in the past. Those iPads or Microsoft Surface tablets, there is a camera on those. And, and so they, they're watching you watch yes, the film? Yes, and if you, because guys will, you know, put some tape on and set the, you know, tablet down and then go pick up the sticks and play video games. The, the club can activate, activate the camera. They can activate the microphone on those things and see what you're doing. That's insane, number one. That big brother is watching you take this home and... Determining whether or not you're actually paying attention when you're studying. It's like, aren't you highly motivated enough to just want to perform on the field to, to, to like fake study? And I know that you know there's stories in the past of when the playbooks were actually physical playbooks, yep. right? Mm-hmm. They'd put a hundred dollar bill on yep. one of the plays in the middle of the thing, and then you know nobody ever finds it. You turn the playbook back in at the end of the week because that's what we would do. 
and the $100 bill is still in there because guys aren't going through that. But that begs the question, Chad. Are coaches trying to fill these guys up with too much information? Do they actually need to study like that? Is that, is that kind of taking away from their instinct on the field, trying to turn them into football robots. Not everybody can be like Peyton Manning. Not everybody can maniacally prepare and watch 20 hours of film a week or more and, and, step, to the, and step to the line of scrimmage like a computer. Do, 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 do. Computer says deliver the ball to the tight end and the flap. Not everybody performs like that. So are you actually hamstringing a guy like Kyler Murray by making him play a different way than he's used to? I think Kyler Murray would say absolutely you are. I think he was undefeated in high school. He had a great record at, uh, at Oklahoma. So the track record of success is there, except in the NFL it's not. The NFL is difficult. It's hard to play quarterback in the NFL, particularly with the demands that offensive coordinators, a head coach like Cliff Kingsbury, who's basically an offensive coordinator, uh, occupying the head coach coach role that they have demands on the quarterback position your ability yeah to scan the defense and recognize when there's a mismatch recognizing the run game when they've got their rookie edge guy in there we want to check to a run over there it takes a lot of film study to be able to pull that off and i'm sorry if the pressures of a 230 million dollar contract are asking you to not just rely on your natural ability but to go out there with a nuanced understanding of who you're playing, what their skills are, what the players on the, on the field are, and also have a detailed understanding of your own offense. Hey, if this is the requirements of the position in order to be great, this is what you got to do. You don't have to be paid Manning and operate the game from the line of scrimmage, but you do need to be able to execute the offense as it's designed, and sometimes offenses are too complicated. I, I will say that. And coaches, given enough time, will overcomplicate virtually anything. But the fact that this is a clause in his contract, we give you this money, but we are willing to take away a significant portion of this money if you don't get this four hours of independent study. And because you have proven in the past, we cannot rely upon you to take you at your word that you're getting it done. Yeah, obviously there's an issue there in Arizona with him being unprepared for games and them being uncomfortable with his level of preparation. I will say, though, that there is an element of instinct that you do not want to take out of, uh, of the game for these guys. There's a reason why they're superstars, right? It's because they are the best in the world at playing this game and feeling the moment and understanding what the moment dictates. Get out of the pocket, deliver the ball to uh, a target you may have never practiced. Or, or the guy may have run the wrong route, but he's open. Throw him the ball. You know, I would argue, well, I would pose this question to, to, the, te- to the texters. Who played better football for the Broncos, Jake Plummer or Jay Cutler? Mm. Jake Plummer or Jay Cutler? Who played better football for the Broncos? Because both very talented guys, but both played the game wildly different. Jay was always, you know, Jay was a, a chalkboard guy. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that Mike Shanahan fell in love with with Jay Cutler is that he was so smart. He has such a fo- smart football brain. You put him up on the chalkboard, you ask him to diagram any play, boom, he's on it. Any coverage, boom, he's on it. Any blitz, boom, he's on it. How do you slide the protection? Boom, 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 boom. Jake was not that guy. Jake Plummer was an instinctual player. He got out of the pocket. He escaped trouble. He made stuff happen. He trusted his instinct. So to me, you got to have both sides of the coin intact to really enact the, 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 the potential of your quarterback, and it can go too far. I will say that four hours is not going too far. No. That's not much at all. And the fact that they had to put four hours down in a contract – just so he would do that four hours, which is the bare minimum. As a tight end, I would go home with my playbook, and I'd study for four hours myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Over the course of the week. Um, and so the fact that your quarterback who's in charge of a lot mentally uh, has to be cajoled into doing four hours 
is a is a problem and could portend some issues in the future for them. Uh, when you play a home game, you typically have to report to the hotel. And the hotel meeting typically the meeting started at seven o'clock. Uh, most guys rolling around six is just to you know, drop their bags in the room and filter into the film room to to begin to watch the the, the tape that you're going to watch during the meeting. Mark Schlereth earlier this morning said his wife thought for most of his career that they had to be at the hotel at one. Yeah. Because he showed up at one so he could do at least four or five hours of work in his room by himself trying to get prepared uh, just for that Saturday night meeting. Which, so, to be clear, is unusual. Now, and Mark, now, Mark, Mark was going was an, above and beyond. He was an outlier on the opposite side. Right. Kyler Murray is an outlier on the other side where he has not done any of this and now finds himself in a position where the club is mandating this because he's been so, so successful from an athletic standpoint. He's never really had to work and, and develop this steady habits that is required of an NFL quarterback. So Mark was on the other side, but on a Saturday before a regular season game, Mark would put in four extra hours in one day. Yeah. They're asking this guy to put in four hours over the course of an entire week with a $230 million deal. I think it's a, I think it's a fair ask of the Arizona Cardinals organization. Uh, Nate and I, we are broadcasting live from the Breaks Plus here in Centennial at 6670 South Yosemite for the final giveaway of our free limited edition extra soft t-shirts. Man, you gotta feel this shirt. Rachel will be, <laughs> Rachel V. Hill will be here from noon to one. Uh, come in early because the shirts are, are, are always in high demand. The supplies will not last. Limit one per person. Get all the details at denverfan.com slash shirt. Um, have, you, have you seen all the alternative helmets that the teams are doing this year? Yeah. Are, no, you, are you into that whole fashion no, thing? No, no. Not no, at all? No. The, the whole uniform conversation just, just really? whistles on by me. I do not care. Um, I, I, I like the Broncos what? helmets. I like the Broncos uniforms the way they are. I, if you really feel like you got to change them and modernize them, Fine, go ahead, but having like multiple different helmets you wear, multiple uniforms and sock combinations and pants, and, like I, that doesn't do it for me, man. I'm more of a kind of a simple um, vanilla type of a guy when it comes to uniforms. Obviously, you don't want them to be all baggy, but, but you don't want them to be all new agey either, like okay. designed by, <laughs> okay, boo, bro, dude, like you want it to look like a video game character, dude, and I'm not into that, man. I just want my football players to look like football players and a helmet to not be distracting. And as long as it's a normal helmet and doesn't distract me, let's play some football. The football is more important and more interesting than, like, the design of your shirt. <laughs> okay, they're Go four- to Art Basel if you want to talk about, like, <laughs> cool designs and stuff, man. There are 14 teams this year who will wear an alternative helmet. Uh, as you would guess, let me see, two, four, six of the 14 have gone with black helmets. The Cardinals, the Commanders, the Eagles, the Jets, the Panthers, and the Saints all have a black alternative helmet. The Bengals is probably my favorite of all the alternatives. They went with the, the, the traditional Bengal stripes, but went on a white helmet with a black face mask. It's a pretty... Pretty dope uh, monochromatic look right there. That, that's probably my favorite. Question and, is, though, is the quarterback instinctually who's used to throwing to a guy with a certain <laughs> color helmet and uniform going to, oh, throw it to the wrong guy, Chad? Well, hopefully they practice in their alternative uh, helmets just to, no. number one, break them in so they're safe on game day, but number two, so the quarterbacks do not get confused. Am I throwing the shirts or skins out there? Yeah, there we go. All right, when we come back, we got our buddy James Merrillat. We'll see if he can upset upset everybody on the uh, text line in one segment. James is next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan.
welcome in James Merrillat, editor at DenverFan.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. But before we get to James, Nate and I are broadcasting live from Breaks Plus and Centennial for the final giveaway of our free limited edition extra soft T-shirts. Uh, Rachel Vigil will be here at noon to one giving those shirts away. Make sure you come down early. They will be available while supplies last. Limit one per person. The shirts are always in high demand, so definitely get here early. For more details, get to DenverFan.com slash shirt. That's where the details are. Man, you got to feel this shirt. James, how you doing, my friend? I'm good, fellas. How are you guys? Uh, we are right here in Blake, uh, Breaks Plus having a fantastic time, chopping it up with Mike. Mike is telling us about his uh, two-a-days back in high school. Mike and Nate went to the same high school in San Jose. Really? That's a, that's a random little uh, fact. I didn't know that. Yeah, how about them apples, James? We were just Did chatting you... it up, and he's like, oh, you know, well, he's a Raider fan, so we were talking about his love of the Raiders, and, and turns out he's from the Bay Area. Oh, so am I. I'm from San Jose. Oh, yeah, San Jose, me too. What high school did you go to? Pioneer. Oh, me too, Pioneer. So we were talking about running the same bleachers during training camp. Oh, training camp. They didn't call it that. Training camp back then, it was two-a-days. But, uh, yeah, it's, we're having a good time here at Breaks Plus. James, uh, here on the eve of Broncos training camp, um, the uh, burning question is, of the position battles uh, that are occur out there at training camp, which ones are you most interested in? And so they therefore will give you the opportunity to make a, a take that you'll write about on DenverFan.com that will upset the entire Bronco <laughs> fan base. Well, it's uh, good timing on that question. I actually just posted a uh, story this morning with my five most intriguing uh, position battles. So uh, I think running back is, is number one for me, just because is it going to be Javante Williams? Is it going to be Melvin Gordon? I was with everybody else. I would have loved to have seen Javante Williams get the opportunity to prove that he can be the workhorse back, that he can be the guy that's getting 70, 75% of the carries. I wanted to see him in that role, but uh, with Melvin Gordon coming back, I think we're going to see very similar to what we had a year ago, where they were dead even, each with 203 carries. So who wins that job? Who uh, Who's out there for the first snap in Seattle? I think it's going to be Melvin Gordon just because I think it's the, the veteran that they trust in pass protection and, um, you know, a little bit more well-rounded game at this point. That's not a knock on Javante Williams. I just think Melvin's going to win that job. I think right tackle is going to be interesting. We just uh, found out today that Billy Turner is going to start the start training camp on the pup list. Uh, I think most people had him penciled in to win that job. Tom Compton's kind of the, the veteran behind him. I think Calvin Anderson is an interesting dark horse because he's a guy that uh, has a ton of ability, very athletic guy. And if he could win that job, Phyllis, they would finally have uh, a long-term answer there at a position that has been a revolving door every season at somebody different. We think quarterbacks have been a, uh, have been coming and going in this town. Right tackle has been even worse. So those are the two that I'm, I'm watching uh, most closely, but inside linebacker is an interesting one. I think receiver, who's going to be the second guy? Is it Cortland and Tim Patrick? Is it Cortland and Jerry Judy? There is, uh, there's a lot going on, but thankfully, a quarterback isn't one of them. Uh, that we, uh, we finally know, but there will certainly be uh, other battles worth watching down at Dove Valley, that's for sure. So I want to go into that uh, running back take you just had there. Um, a lot of people are saying... Some of your colleagues are saying, wait a second, Melvin Gordon is going to be an afterthought. He's going to be competing with Mike Boone to be who the second, uh, to, to, to see who the second running back is going to be. This is obviously Javante's team. Otherwise, they would have been more interested in signing Melvin Gordon. They really weren't. They got him back because no one else wanted him. What do you think about that? 
Well, I think they also could have very easily just moved on and said, hey, it's Javante's job. Mike Boone will back him up, take a running back in the fifth round to provide some depth and call it good. They brought him back for a reason, and not to just set up a potential problem down the road. I mean, Javante Williams was really good last year, but so was Melvin Gordon. I mean, each had 203 carries. Javante had 903 yards. Melvin had 918. Melvin had 10 touchdowns on a bad offense, which is uh, is pretty impressive. So, so I don't think so he's if you're a coach at all. Sorry to jump on you, James, but if you're a coach, no, yeah. does that propensity that Melvin Gordon has to get in the end zone, are you going to put him in down there on the goal line inside the 10? Are you going to pull Javante out, or are you going to leave Javante in and try to let him develop a nose for the end zone? I think it's going to be just, you know, whosoever turn it is. And I, I hate running back by committee. It's certainly not what I would like to see them do. Uh, for multiple reasons. I think it's a bad philosophy. I think part of Melvin Gordon's fumbling issues, uh, at least while he's been in Denver, have been the fact that you stand on the sidelines, you don't really get your lather going like a like a boxer used to, and then you got to come out there cold and you know, you're know you taking hits. So I don't like that philosophy. Um, and I wanted to see what Javante could do. He wasn't a, the number one guy in terms of you know not having to split carries when he was in college, hasn't done it in the pros. I want to see if he's got that ability, but I think it's just going to be whosoever turn it is. That's how they did it a year ago. I would expect it to be similar this year. They're both really good players. That's, that's the funny part of it. If you say Melvin's going to start, people think you're anti-Javante or vice versa. I just think Melvin Gordon at this point is a little bit better running back. The fumbling thing I think gets, uh, gets overplayed. I think he had three last year. Javante Williams had two. They both fumbled on back-to-back plays at the end of that Washington game and that debacle when they almost blew it. The ball bounced right back to his teammates for Javante, and it bounced right to Washington for Melvin. So it looks like, a, you know, oh, he lost the fumble and Javante didn't. They did the exact same thing on back-to-back plays. So I think it's a it, that's an overblown story. Um, I think it's going to be Melvin that will get the start, but I think we'll see uh, about 50-50 in terms of how the, the carries are going to be dispersed this year. All right, uh, James, I want you to put on your George Payton cap and play GM here. Considering how quarterback starved the Denver Broncos are, would you sign a quarterback like Kyler Murray to a $230 million deal with $100-plus million in guarantees if you had concerns about his study habits? The fact that the Cardinals had to include an independent film study clause of four hours per week in his contract mandated, and there's a connection to the guaranteed money uh, in his deal with him making sure he gets that done would you sign a quarterback who you weren't sure was willing to put the work in i would but boy i'd be crossing my fingers and rubbing the rabbit's foot and putting whatever clauses i could in there i mean i wouldn't feel great about it but it's sort of and we've seen it this the last six years right if you don't have a guy you really have no chance and kyler murray um certainly has had his issues particularly late in seasons where he gets banged up and he's not the same quarterback that he is September, October, and, you know, leading up to Thanksgiving. But, man, that guy can make plays, and he's a dynamic player, and he makes your team competitive and interesting and gives you a shot. So unless you have a better option, you really don't have a choice but to sign a guy like that and then just, uh, you know, hold your breath and hope that, you know, maturation and competitiveness and all those kind of things kick in and and he does do the work. But, uh, you know, I I think – when you look at who they had before he got there, right, sort of the gap between Carson Palmer and Kyler Murray and when they were dealing with Josh Rosen and quarterbacks like that, I think when you go through that kind of experience, you're willing to give a, a talented guy with 
uh, all kinds of potential. You're willing to, to roll the dice and, and take the gamble. You know, it's, it, it, the Broncos are going to have to pony up here pretty quick to give Russell Wilson the contract, which they should sprint to the table to, to get that deal done ASAP. Um, that just shows you what, how much better their situation is. They're going to give a quarter billion dollars to a guy that you know you don't have to worry about his study habits. If you're uh, Arizona, you're holding your breath. But, Chad, you don't really have a choice because you gotta you got to have a quarterback, and he certainly has all kinds of talent. Um, so I wouldn't feel good about it if I had to do it if I were them, but uh, I, I, would do it, I would do it nonetheless. James, I know that you have panic buttons installed in every room in your house. And so <laughs> uh, how quickly would you be pushing one of those buttons if the Broncos get off to a bad start? Uh, if they lose their preseason, first preseason game, for example, are you hitting the panic button? Um, are you hitting the panic button after preseason two? Three? If they lose to the Seattle Seahawks in game one, are you hitting that panic button? No, I actually, when, you know, when the schedule came out and, you know, we all do the silly process of going through and picking the games, I actually have them losing that game. I think week one, anybody who's ever been in a survival pool knows this. Week one in the NFL is a crapshoot. It is, you know, weird things happen. It's, you know, it's the Packers losing 38-3 to last year. It's the Jaguars starting off 1-0 and then not winning another game the rest of the year. So week one is tricky. There's not a worse time for the Broncos to go to Seattle than to start the season. Because at that point, the fans won't have turned on Pete Carroll and Justin Tender. They'll still be uh, anti-Russell Wilson, and, and that's going to be the most hostile it would be. So I actually think they could lose that game. If they lose week two at home to Houston, Chad, I'm pushing the panic button. I'm running from room to room and slamming those things. So uh, they gotta be, they got to be 1-1 one and one at that point. They should be 2-0, and oh, but a week one loss, no reason to panic. Crazy things happen. But if you start 0-2, yeah, that would be, uh, that would be a disaster. Good stuff, James. We always appreciate it. Thanks, my man. All right, fellas. Enjoy it out there. Breaks Plus. We'll see you out at camp. Yep, Later, thanks, buddy. That's James Merrillat, the editor at DenverFan.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. When Nate and I return, uh, Mike Brown, the owner of the Cincinnati Bengals, had some very interesting things to say about quarterback, quarterback contracts, considering Russell Wilson was going to be one of the next guys up to get done. Uh, Nate and I should dive into that. That'll be next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Oh, man. Uh, Mike Brown of uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, definitely known as uh, one of the more frugal owners in the NFL, um, <clears throat> took some recent Patrick Mahomes comments and has, you know, tried to apply them to other quarterbacks around the league. Patrick Mahomes basically said, hey, you know, I'm set for life. And he was when he was asked about some of these other contracts, quarterback contracts that are now exceeding his $45 million a year average, 10 years, $450 million, $45 million a year average. Uh, now Aaron Rodgers is averaging $50 million bucks for the next two seasons. Uh, at some point, um, Patrick Mahomes' contract will be outdated. And, you know, I'm sure his agent will want to get him in front of the front office from Kansas City again to, you know, re-up his deal in some ways. But for now, Patrick Mahomes says, you know what, I'm good. I'm set for life. Mike Brown, the owner of the Cincinnati Bengals, says, I sort of like how Mahomes said he doesn't care about what those other guys are getting. He's set for life with what he's got. And why isn't that a good way to look at it, I'm thinking? Spoken like an owner. No, I agree with him. 
You agree with the you quarterbacks agree? are making too much money, Chad, and it's amazing that you are endorsing this because you know how Tom Brady walks on the lake of fire over a bridge of broken bodies, <laughs> and it's the broken bodies of his brothers who are holding on with white knuckles for just to get three and a half years so they can get a pension. Right. They're going to leave the league mm-hmm. with under a million dollars in the bank. Five years later, that's going to be gone. That's the majority of dudes. That's the story. It's not a 15-year career, all due respect. Right. And get into call it quits and then figure out, hey, what do I want? Right. What do I want to do, man? <laughs> Most guys are just trying to hold on. Quarterbacks make 20% of the salary cap. And some teams, yes. What are they doing to deserve that physically? Are they laying it on the line like you were as a linebacker? Nope. Absolutely not. Are they covering a kickoff? Nope. Are they blocking? Nope. Are they even sweating during a game? You Most watch times, no. He looks like he's standing in line at the DMV. Right. He doesn't break a sweat. Yes, quarterbacks are w- making way too much money, and I do agree with Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah, I am going to be set for life. It's not about who makes the most, I don't think. It's about your team, and can you do something special together? And at what point does your pursuit of as much possible money as you could ever make take away from the potential of your football team? Now, guys in your locker room, they want you to get paid. Nobody's saying you're making too much money. You know, they understand that, hey, some guys get paid more, some guys get paid less. The hierarchy and the difference in the locker room between the highest paid guy and the lowest paid guy is insane. The thing is, the lowest paid guy is actually working harder physically than the highest paid guy. True. Is that correct? Is that right? Is that, is that the way it should be? No. Life ain't fair, man. Life is not fair, but quarterbacks are making way too much money. We're talking about $50 million contracts for these dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can play longer than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Their careers are longer. How, how do you pay, play till you're 45 in the NFL, a sport that's made for young men? You do it because everyone else is protecting you. You don't ever get touched. So these are not the guys that, look, okay, I get it, they're the highest paid players. But at some point, isn't enough enough? Uh, it, at some point, enough is enough, to Mike Brown's point and to, and to your point. And I think Patrick Mahomes says it wisely. Now, as an NFL player, do you, you have an obligation to the other players in the league to be the next? When your turn is the next guy up, it's not to turn down the money. It's to turn up the money. It's I to, disagree with that take, man. It, you, you, you know, your obligation is not to another quarterback in a different market. Your obligation is to those dudes in the locker room who are protecting your ass. Your, your obligation is to every player in the league. Wide receivers don't become $20 million a year players like many have become over this last offseason until quarterbacks are paid a certain level. So there's, there's this constant sliding scale. If the quarterback is the most important position, then he drags the salaries for offensive tackles, edge rushers, wide receivers, and cornerbacks with him because those directly affect the quarterback position. So those positions, their salaries now get dragged along with him, but and they the, get more money. Isn't the salary cap what determines how much money you can spend? The salary cap, well, teams can spend over the cap if they get creative. Too. Well, what I'm saying is the money's there, the money's going to get spent. And, see, and so why is it the quarterback who's dragging everyone up if the money's there? That's simply how the structure of it is. Is it right? I won't say it's right. No, what I'm saying is if you're going to spend the money anyway, why is the quarterback salary determining everyone else's? That's because the quarterback is the most important position on the field. We agree, why, agree on that. Why is he the most important position on the field? Because if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. That is a cliche. That is true. But why is he the most important? Uh, why is he the most important? Because he is the player that is mostly 
has the most chance of influencing our ability to win or lose football games. The play at that position more than any other position on the field directly influences the one and loss record of our franchise. In some ways, directs the future of the organization. So from the ownership standpoint, if I get Peyton Manning, the value of my franchise goes up by potentially hundreds of millions of dollars because I got that guy under center. So from an ownership standpoint, there's a direct tie between my bottom line and who I have under center. Therefore, when I get that guy, I've got to pay him, reward him, and make sure he plays as long as he possibly can. I agree with you. The quarterback is incredibly important. He handles the ball every, every down. And that's why he's so important. He isn't responsible for distributing the ball to the other guys and letting them run with it. But I will say that you don't need Peyton Manning to be a good football team. True. You need a quarterback to play well. Mm-hmm. His job is very important, but he doesn't need to play like a unicorn. He needs to play well in order for the team to play well. And that's my argument when it comes to quarterbacks. Sometimes, you know, DMAC wants to keep swinging, keep swinging until you find this special unicorn-like player. No, you just need a guy who can hold up his weight. And I would argue that Matt Stafford, for example, last year, that's what he did. He held up his end of the bargain on a team that was already really good and had a lot of pieces in place. Um, And so the quarterback is overpaid, and this is getting ridiculous. And we need to put a stop to it, Chad. (laughs) And and as a defensive player, a guy who hunted quarterbacks for a living, it it, it astonishes me that you are endorsing this sort of because I got rewarded highly because I hunted quarterbacks. My pay was directly <laughs> retired to what they got paid. If that guy is highly paid and I get a chance to affect him, then therefore I should be highly paid. The quarterbacks drag all the rest of those salaries with them. Now, for Mike Brown, he clearly has a vested interest in uh, echoing what Patrick Mahomes' statements are because he's got Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow is one of those quarterbacks who's going to yeah, be right. up next. Yeah. So Mike Brown wants to come up with any kind of quotes he can to push Joe Joe Burrow's salary demands down and say, hey, maybe you should take a little less so I can pay other guys on this team. At the same time, Mike Brown is going to change the name of the stadium from Paul Brown Stadium after his dad, and he's going to take money, millions of dollars, in some naming rights deal. So he's seeking any income he possibly can, not to you know, keep his dad's name on the stadium anymore. It'll be whatever it is, FIG.com Software Stadium. I don't know. But it's going to be something weird that's not Paul Brown Stadium anymore because he's in pursuit of money, but he wants his quarterback to take less money. Yeah, so um, I, th- I understand the argument that quarterbacks and the quarterback intrigue in the NFL is part of the way it's marketed and makes it so popular. And so the salary cap is based on the interest in the game, and the interest in the game increases when we fall in love with these quarterbacks. That part of it I get. But saying that, you know, because the salary cap is $208 million or whatever it is, that a quarterback drags up everyone else, um, I don't think is necessarily correct. If you got the money to spend anyway, then let's disperse it a little bit more evenly to those who are actually laying their bodies on the line a little more regularly. I think uh, I, I would love ideally to be able to strike a balance between what we're talking about. Obviously, the league is quarterback-driven. That's who drives the eyeballs. That's what drives the discussions. Heck, we talk about quarterbacks all the time on this show, and I think we're the least quarterback-centric show that I can think of. People uh, always accuse me of hating quarterbacks. Right. Different- You're a hater. No, just, I'm not. Just because we're not quarterback-centric doesn't make You asked me wow, how I wiped where yesterday. your mind went. No one, you wow, know what? get your mind out of the gutter, Chad. No one in my entire life, except for you, you were the first person to spur the conversation of which hand I wipe with. 
I don't know what I'm you're talking 50, about, man. I am, 52, I, I am 52 years old. That's the first time I've had that you're conversation. You're just an unusual guy. Your dominant hand is your left, but you wipe your, with your right. It's this weird. is true. <laughs> All right, when we come back, uh, can this Denver Broncos Russian attack uh, reach some of the uh, – high levels of the past. Could it be over 2,000 yards combined between Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, and the rest of that running back room? We will talk about that next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. Last segment for Nate and I. Our analysis of training camp 2022, ready to ride this week, will be presented by Elite Sportsbooks. Make sure you stop by Breaks Plus today at 6670 South Yosemite Street in Centennial. Today from noon to 1 for your limited edition training camp t-shirt, swag, and exclusive offer. A $10.43 oil change and more. Breaks Plus has many convenient locations to serve you. Visit BreakPlus.com for locations and money-saving coupons. Cool, I heard man. you giggling over there, man. I'm just, hey, man. My just swag. Do read. Just do your read. My swag. 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 Is it good? Not swag. <laughs> no, but there's also. The text line really lighting up for our conversation last last segment. Yes. Um, a lot of interesting takes. I don't want to derail what you were about to get into. No, no. Let's, 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 let's hear from the text line. Nate, if I earn an A in school but you get a D, should we all get B's? No, you earn what you get. That is not an argument. That is not an argument at all. In fact, what you're saying is that a quarterback who earns a B or a C deserves more money than an offensive lineman, for example, who earns an A, or a linebacker who earns an A, or a DB who earns an A. What you're saying is the quarterback can be worse but get paid more than guys who are doing better at their job. So try again with the analogy. Uh, quarterbacks drag down the majority of drag the majority of salaries down. They lift the select few, but most of they are taken away from the rest of the team. I, I will uh, agree with that to a certain extent because there's only so many slices of the salary cap pie to give out. If the quarterback's taking 15 or 20 percent of that, and then those guys at those key quarterback affecting positions, left tackle, wide receiver, cornerback, and edge rusher, uh, then fall in line after that. The rest of the roster, particularly uh, guys like fullbacks and tight ends and guys like that, tend to uh, suffer the consequences of not being a guy who directly affects the quarterback in a way, and then therefore their salary doesn't uh, match up nearly to what the other guys uh, that we're talking about get. Yeah, someone else saying, uh, should a CEO make more than a concrete worker? Okay, so the CEO is Robert Walson, uh, Robson Walton, right. sorry. All the players are supposed to be players together. They're all the concrete workers. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's what a team is. Mm -hmm. If all of a sudden your quarterback is looked at as a CEO in your locker room. That's a problem. That is a problem. This is about becoming a team. And some of the issues that I think some people have had with the Russell Wilson experience is that he is kind of coming in as this CEO. Does he have an office? You know, he has an entourage. He gets all this different stuff. If you're if you're leading a different life, getting special treatment than the rest of the guys, to me, that is going to be a problem coming together as a team. Now, I don't want to go too hard on this until we see the results in the games. The games are going to speak for themselves. The games are going to tell us if all this was correct, if this buildup was correct, if the approach is correct. Um, so... I would love to be wrong about it. I just believe that in order to be a special team, you got to be all on equal footing. 
Uh, the, this is from J- uh, Rob in Longmont. The salary cap should be structured for minimums according to years of service and positions and also maximums. The NFLPA should realize this. Just because they negotiate a high, higher salary caps every year doesn't mean that everybody on the roster benefits. In fact, only a small percentage of people benefit. There are league minimums for years of service. Yeah. Uh, so that is an established thing. And within that, there's also a couple of other kickers, depending on uh, positions and things like that. But if you're 10 years plus, uh, or actually five years plus, uh, there is a mechanism where your salary would only count as the same as a guy who's in their fourth year, just to ensure that older players, uh, due to the minimums that they can make, don't lose their jobs to, to, because a team makes a choice between here's an older guy who's a minimum salary guy and here's a younger guy who's a minimum salary guy. We're going to choose that younger guy because he actually makes less money as mandated by the league due to his years of service and the minimums that come with that. There's no punishment for keeping an older guy uh, who makes more due to league minimums. But there are no maximums. Um, And I think that would push back against the whole free enterprise thing that's part of the awesome American system. But there can be an imbalance. You know, when a CEO of a company makes 250 times what the average employee makes, I think that's a little bit out of, out of whack there. Um, does the CEO make more? Of course he does. But 250 times the average salary, that's pushing it quite a bit there. And now when quarterbacks are making $50 million, when there's other guys in the team who make 400000 that's also kind of out of whack in some ways because we're all putting our bodies and lives on the line in some ways unequally depending on who that minimum salary guy is on the roster. Yeah, the quarterback is not a CEO. He's a, he is a concrete worker. Now, he has a little bit of a different job when it comes to the concrete. He is not the CEO. This is a football team. Your quarterback, you're out there. You can get hit. You can get hurt. Uh, and so we're all subjected to the same kind of natural law out there. And so we are all the same. And I understand the conversation outside is different, but it has to be the same inside not not the conversation but it has to be the same approach inside and that we are all in this together and that we're going to go through the same stuff if you start separating players out down there in the locker room i think you got a problem uh you just don't want to admit you're a communist Ooh, to communist. you communist yes Uh-oh. there's only 32 guys on the planet that can play nfl quarterback eh, wrong. how on god's green earth can you say that they didn't earn it i didn't say they didn't earn it okay I didn't say they didn't earn it, but there's 52 other guys on a team who also earned their positions and deserve to be paid uh, well for what they're doing and not sacrificed because you have um, this, you know, what, 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 you, you get what I'm saying. The quarterback makes too much money, Chad. I will agree. There's a certain sacrificial aspect to certain guys on the NFL roster. You are the lowest paid guy. We're asking you to do the most dangerous jobs. We are willing to sacrifice you, your body, your career, and your salary because we got these other guys who are a little bit more highly paid and we got to protect them. And you, yes, please run down on kickoff and risk your body for us so we can achieve the glory and this guy can get more quarterback uh, endorsement dollars in the offseason. Yeah, make, Thank no, you. make no mistake. I'm not saying the quarterback should not be the highest played uh, paid player. I think he should because I think his job is that important. I'm just saying it, the balance is askew. Yeah. I would agree with that. Nate, now we are broadcasting live from Breaks Plus here in Centennial. This Today is the final giveaway of the free 
fan extra soft t-shirts. Uh, come on over here today between noon and one. Rachel V. Hill will be here giving those shirts away. Shirts will be available while supplies last, of course. Limit one per person. These camp shirts are always in high demand every year, so come down early. If you want to get some details, visit denverfan.com slash shirt. Man, you got to feel this shirt. We got to get one of these shirts is what you got to do. So uh, I'm not sure how the queuing is going to work over here. We've been in a discussion here in the break trying to figure it out as folks kind of trickle in excited about getting their free shirt. Noon to one over here at Breaks Plus in Centennial. Please come and visit the cr- the fan crew as they pass out shirts. Uh, be civil, be kind. Uh, I think there'll be a, a good number of shirts, but definitely get here early. Yeah, get here early and um, also get to training camp early because you don't you never know how, how many people are going to be out there. It's going to be, uh, like we said earlier, the last bowling training camp. And it's a well-oiled machine here in Denver as far as the Broncos go. And they've had camp after camp, successful camps. And I'm talking about as a player, it was always very well run for the fans, uh, for the media. And it's an end of an era. So let's get out there and enjoy it and uh, support those Broncos. Yeah, looking forward to being out there at training camp starting tomorrow. Nate Nate and I will be broadcasting live from UC Health Training Center. Uh, Reporting to you, practice kicks off around 10 o'clock, so the first hour of our show. I guess we'll be kind of previewing what's going to happen. And after that, we'll be reporting live. Uh, so uh, this is it for today for Nate and I. Please come out to Breaks Plus and get your free fan shirt. Let's uh, ready to ride shirt. And then uh, Stokely and Zach. Is that correct, Johnny? Who's uh, who's up next? Stokely and Zach. Those guys are next. Where's Stokely? Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate on Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.